Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast. I'm Caroline Gonzalez, joined again by John DeShazer, my co-host here for the Saints podcast. We join you on this lovely Friday. It has been hot as all get out out there at training camp. We've been out there for two days in a row where the, the weather's been mighty. I mean, my watch tan is something serious. I don't know if you, I mean, obviously you can't see it on the podcast, but JD, you can see it. So why don't you describe it to, to our listeners She's soft, y'all. That's all. What? She's just complaining. She's soft. It's South Louisiana, <laughs> and it's going to be hot. That's kind of the way it is. And it's not like we're running around in pads and black jerseys. I never compared it to so, the players. I yeah, just no, said but, I'm warm. All I never seriousness, said it all seriousness it, is, it is warm. It is really, really hot, and it's going to get hotter. So hopefully um, my, myself, I won't be hosting this solo, and Caroline can trudge through the next few after having the sun beat down on her for a couple more days. So we'll see how she survives. She's got a lot more hair to deal with it than I do. Well, I'm not going to be soft, I can tell you that much. <laughs> anyway, on today's show, uh, J.D. and I will recap the last few days of training camp. We'll also speak with NBC's Peter King, who says he's been to 30-plus training camps. He plans on going around the league, talking to different players. J.D., we heard from him say, you know, that's that's a time where he gets to hear from players because they're optimistic. Coaches are optimistic about how they're going to spend the rest of the season. He said when you talk to guys in fall, maybe they're not so optimistic about how the year is going to go. Really smart strategy, actually. I, did, I never thought about it it that way until he talked about it yeah. and he was saying you know hey when the team's you know three and five do guys really want to talk to you um, you can get people who not only are enthusiastic but are much more forthright uh, in training camp before anything happens uh, they will probably be more likely to tell you exactly what's on their mind as opposed to you know couching it and, and covering over and and trying to make it sound uh, as palatable as possible so it's a really smart strategy for him, and I guess that's why he's been doing it for 30-plus years. He's figured out a system that works for him. I think he said he's going to 21 training camps this year. 21 training camps, and I think it's supposed to be all done in like 28 days, which is an obscene schedule. I couldn't, miles I couldn't imagine doing that. So more power to him. I guess he's got his system down. He knows exactly how to do it. Uh, he's got his lead contacts and people when they see him. Uh, coaches, general managers, welcome him in with open arms and speak to him. And he does get some pretty good material. So, uh, you know, he's, he's really good at what he does. So, again, we'll hear from Peter King a little bit later in the show. But first, I want to recap uh, the past few days that we've, uh, we've, we haven't spoken to you guys. We have had Michael Thomas back at the Austrian Sports Performance Center since the last time we spoke. He signed that deal, I think, the morning that the podcast came out, so we didn't have time to cover it. But, of course, that woke us up at 7, seven o'clock in the morning with that deal. But always a warm welcome here from Michael Thomas. Well, you're talking about the most productive receiver in NFL history for his first three seasons. So any team would want to back but he's a critical element to what the Saints want to do offensively 125 catches last year that was a franchise single season record uh, 1405 receiving yards that was a single season record uh, 321 receptions in his first three seasons obviously a franchise record if it's an NFL record so he's been extremely productive and you want to get him back into the fold because of what he means not just to the offense but work ethic wise and competition wise he's a guy who sets a tone with his team. He, uh, along with, I would say probably, you know, Cam Jordan, Drew Brees, Alan Kamara, they are some guys on this team that work out as hard as you can possibly imagine. Um, and, and so they set a tone. You know, if you see 
uh, Drew Brees going at it that hard, Michael Thomas going that hard, and Alvin going that hard, and Cam Jordan going that hard. Nobody is allowed to slack off. Mm -hmm. He's one of those guys. So, you know, you hear him all the time saying Michael goes 100 miles an hour every drill. He doesn't know how to do a walkthrough because he's always going hard. So it's good to get that kind of element back into the fold. Well, we heard um, him earlier this week say he was he was away from camp, but he was watching highlights. He said days felt felt like weeks. He was missing the guys. Uh, you know, you saw him around the facility here today. He was all smiles. I mean, I would have some smiles too if I had a couple million in my back pocket to uh, for some spare change. But he was all smiles, and as you said, he raises the bar for everyone else. I mean, obviously, you know, he's your number one wide receiver, but he raises the bar for everyone behind him. Like this is the level we're going to compete at each and every day. Yeah, he makes the offense better, obviously, but he also makes the defense better because when he's competing in those one-on-one drills, whether it's against Eli Apple or whether it's against Marshawn Lattimore or if it's against P.J. Williams or Patrick Robinson or whoever is lined up against him, that's going to be basically a fist fight. And so you got to figure as a defensive back, I won't see many, if any, receivers this physical throughout the course of a season. So if you can hold your own against Michael Thomas, or if you can, you know, kind of compete with him, you feel pretty good about your competition level against anybody else because, again, you won't see a lot of other guys like him, so it prepares you for what you're going to see during, down the line. We've seen some guys on the sideline, uh, Marcus Williams and Latavius Murray. They've been working out with the trainers, um, still out there, still stretching, still active, but, you know, working off to the side, which has allowed some other guys to step up. We've seen Rob Kelly from Tulane. We've seen other guys step up in those places. Uh, Fat Rob, as he likes to be called on social media. I am not calling him Fat Rob him, myself. I'm not body shaming. He's just, you know, that's that's the name that he likes to go by. Is that F-A-T, Rob, or P-H-A-T? No, it's, Do it's people an do P-H-A-T anymore? It's an F-A-T. It's an F-A-T. <laughs> no, but, you know, Marcus and Latavius have not been uh, at practice, have not practiced for the last two, three days, last two, three practices. So it has given opportunities for whether it's Saquon Hampton at safety, mm -hmm. uh, as you mentioned, Rob Kelly. Uh, some other guys have gotten an opportunity to get into the mix at running back. You've got to be able – to lessen that load on Alvin Kamara, uh, even in training camp practices. He can't get all the reps and then be a heavy workload guy during the regular season. So that gave him an opportunity to bring in Rob Kelly. Uh, again, we mentioned Saquon Hampton. Also, uh, um, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, I can't call him Chauncey, C.J. <laughs> Gardner-Johnson has gotten more reps at safety, as well as Chris Banjo yep. has gotten a lot of reps with the one. So, you know, when one guy go down, goes down, you've got to be able to accommodate and acclimate and change up and put somebody else in and hopefully get the same production. I think last year we saw Justin Hardy a little bit at that defensive back position and Chris Banjo. So I think they're just kind of playing with what they can work with with who they have at this point. Um, another thing we saw at yesterday's practice and today's practice is referees. I mean, you and I sat in that meeting yesterday where they covered some of the rule changes. Um, how does that impact practice? Are you kind of keeping an eye out for things that you should and shouldn't do or guys able to ask questions kind of what's the process of the referees being here well they did that they had a, a rules change meeting with the players and I, I heard it was fairly um quizzical from the players I think they had some things <laughs> that they wanted to ask and get clarified no, but the beauty so. is you know when you're when you're out there and they're calling those penalties and you can you can immediately you know they won't stop the play but you can immediately identify what infraction has occurred why it occurred and how you can correct it on the spot and that's the good thing about having them out there uh, just for corrective measures because I think the NFL is going to have a little bit more emphasis on some penalties I, I I think I read somewhere where a holding offensive holding was going to be one of the points of emphasis this year uh, we know about 
the defensive and offensive pass interference and how now they are subject subjective uh, subjected to replay uh, and except by the coaches except in the last two minutes of each half. Yeah, we saw that. And that's in when the, it's the replay booth. We saw that in the preseason game for the first time last night, right? Yes. Yeah. So, so you know, those are things that the players, you know, need to be made aware of. Um, the things that you can account for when the officials come here is, you know, if that's a crew that stays together this entire season – you know, usually they will compile a resume. And so some crews are heavier on calling pass interference. Mm -hmm. Some are heavier on calling defensive holding. Some are heavier on calling uh, illegal procedures. So you kind of get the nuances of what the officiating crews do. And I know Coach Sean Payton has mentioned from time to time, hey, we know, you know, this crew is heavy on so-and-so and so so you can kind of warn your players about it. But it's always good to bring them in in training camp. It's a little bit more relaxed atmosphere, and they can kind of get together and, and, and get some questions from the players who can try to figure out what's going to be the points of emphasis and how to avoid some of those points of emphasis. We saw uh, one of the flags being thrown today, and then Drew Brees picked it up and put it under his shirt. That was pretty funny. Um, but we saw some red zone out there today, J.D. Uh, some of the Is that one of those things that the guys learn in installments the night before in team meetings, and then they try to implement it the next day? Or is that something that's been kind of progressive over camp? When do they learn those red, zen, red zone drills? Excuse me. Well, I mean, they've already got the, the playbooks, and so you're going through the install. And, and the beauty is, I mean, especially the veteran guys, I mean, they already they know mm -hmm. but the beauty of the, the the red zone and goal line plays are you finally get around to I guess a little bit more physicality mm -hmm. now it's not full contact it's still not wide open you know tackling to the ground but it is a little bit more physical that's probably the most physical days that most teams will have in training camp live tackling is almost gone the way of the dinosaur now in, in training camp because of the prospect of injury you can't afford to get out there in a red zone drill in practice, or you don't want to, and have Alvin Kamara uh, have somebody roll up on his ankle. We saw Sheldon Rankins actually uh, break his leg in training camp his rookie year in a goal line drill. Mm -hmm. So those are things that you want to avoid, and yet you need to get to that physicality. Uh, you need guys to understand what you want to do on that goal line. Um, as Sean Payton said today, you want to understand how critical it is uh, to not give away defensively to not give up touchdowns in that red zone in that goal line you'll you'll take give, giving up a field goal in in a goal to go situation is a win for the defense you don't want to give up the six you want to give up the three and if you can keep it to the three instead of the six then you've won to me that one because you put your offense in a position where if they score a touchdown you go ahead so now, those are the things you want to get a little bit accustomed to or get more accustomed to uh, during those drills. Speaking of uh, special teams, you caught up with Darren Rizzi today after practice. You guys, you brought up a very good point. Thomas Morstead and Will Lutz, two guys that have been pretty much automatic for the Saints special teams. It's not so much that you don't have to worry about those guys, but they're not as front of mind as maybe some other aspects on the special teams. If you're Darren Rizzi and you're coming into this program, you know Thomas Morstead is – dynamite he's going to hit exactly where he wants to hit 98 percent of the time as is Will Lutz um, and we've seen that proven especially last year what other things coming into this program are you looking at through this special teams what are you trying to work on well I think the main thing coach Rizzi is doing is he's trying to I think revamp the return game mm -hmm. the Saints have had a really good cover team for the last two three four years they've been really good in coverage uh, but they have not been able to be a team that can 
you know, steal some of that hidden yardage in returns, whether it's punt returns or kickoff returns. They've been decent in kickoff returns when they when they return them, but the punt return game has really, um, I don't want to say suffered, but it hadn't been as productive as it could be because it hadn't really adversely affected the team the last couple of years. They're back-to-back division champs. But it's been enough to where you can get some of those games where you can steal a game on special teams and they've been able to steal a couple by maybe blocking a punt or that kind of thing, but they hadn't really hit anybody in the return game. And I think Coach Rizzi has a return, has a reputation. One, he's he's had some Pro Bowl players uh, on special teams from Miami, but I think the return game is what really needs uh, the injection, and that's one of those things that you can't really find out. We know the coverage units are fine. Uh, Justin Hardy, Taysom Hill, Craig Robertson. Um, TJ, JT Gray, they've got some guys who are really, really good uh, when you're talking about covering kicks, but they've got to be more productive in the, in the return game. And I think that's the thing that Coach Rizzi, you know, if there's going to be an impact made, I think it's going to be made there. And we heard Justin Hardy today also talk about Marcus Sherrills, who they brought on in free agency this year from the Minnesota Vikings. He even admitted, he was like, yeah, he got a really good run on me last year, uh, or excuse me, two years ago when Thomas Moore said hurt his ribs tackling him. Um, so that's a that's a guy that you want on this Saints team, and I'm sure Justin Hardy's glad to have him on, on our side instead of the opposing side. Well, uh, enough about our training camp. Let's go ahead and hear from Peter King, who had some own, some of his own questions about uh, the Saints training camp this year. Peter, you, know, you visit training camps every year. H- how many years is this for you doing this whole training camp round thing? 34. I've done this, I've done this every year in some form since 1986. And the reason that I do it, I consider this to be a more important time of year than any time during the season just for me because I need to look Sean Payton in the face. I need to look Drew Brees in the face. I I really, as important as covering games is, uh, and really, obviously, I'm going to cover some playoff games, but as important as that is, it's more important at a time of less stress, you know, than trying to capture them for seven minutes after a game alone. Sometimes that's possible, sometimes it isn't. It's so much better to to try to get them on a day like this, a normal training camp day. And so I usually go around the country. I'm, I think I'm going to see 21 camps this year. It's over about a 28-day period. And, you know, all camps are different. But I do find that it is the most valuable thing I do in terms of, you know, maintaining context during the course of the year. Do you, you know, feel like you get more, sorry, honest answers during that training camp period when guys are, you know, just coming off the offseason, obviously training camp is rigorous. I don't, think it's, I don't think it's necessarily honest. I think it's slightly more relaxed and everybody is optimistic. You know, we went to the Miami Dolphins the other day. Now, the Dolphins might go 3-13 and 13 this year, and they're happy as clams. You know, how are they going to be on October 15th? You know, it be, might be hard to go there on October 15th. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you go there, but everybody will be saying, oh, my God, God, things aren't going well. That's one of the reasons why, to me, I really, really enjoy training camp because not that every it's sunny and bright everywhere because everybody's got problems. But at least you can say to yourselves and your coaches can say, your PR people can say, your players can say, if this, this, and this go right, we're going to be playing football in January. I mean, every team can feel that way. So this sounds like more of a person or player 
uh, evaluation for you personality-wise maybe more so than team evaluation. Is that right? I Well, I mean, I have some questions about the Saints. I'm thinking of picking them to go pretty far. But I need to know some things about their defense. So I'm going to be asking some questions. You know, uh, I mean, who's going to help Cam Jordan? You know, who's going to be that real factor that keeps offensive coordinators up at night? Look, everybody knows that the problem with the Saints in the last six or seven years has been very, very simple. You can count on Drew Brees to put up 30, 32, 35 a game. You can't count on the defense to hold them to 20, 22, 24 a game. That's the problem. Now, definitely this team took strides last year. Absolutely. But now there's all sorts of other questions when, you, when you're building something like that. Plus, the other factor with the Saints, in my opinion, is it's a pretty interesting division. First of all, you know that Atlanta's always going to be Atlanta could you know win 11 any year. Carolina is a very interesting team with Cam Newton back and I was in Tampa a few days ago and look, every new coach has a honeymoon, everyone. But first of all, that defense is really fast. Yes. Devin White is going to be really good you know, right in the middle of their defense. But the other thing about him is, I mean, Jameis Winston is being coached like he's back in high school by Byron Leftwich, Clyde Christensen, the quarterback coach, and Bruce Arians. And it's that's why when you go to these camps, you say, things could go right with Tampa because their defense is going to be pretty good. When you're looking at teams, and especially, I guess, a team like the Saints, we saw them bounce back last year uh, from that Minnesota miracle. But psychologically, uh, do you factor that in also to, to have back-to-back seasons in the way they did? Those are, I mean, I've covered the NFL since 1984. Imagine having your season and twice in, those are among the five most heartbreaking losses I've ever seen a team go through. So imagine they happen to your team in back-to-back years. It's all well and good for the fans to, you know, to be cursing out Roger Goodell, to file lawsuits and everything. That doesn't do these guys any good. First of all, you know, harping on that cannot help you in September nine months later. You know, you got to, whether or not, you're angry at the world, and, and they should be. I saw Mark Ingram in Ravens camp, and he used the word devastated when I asked him what he, still, what he thought of that day. He said, I'm devastated. I mean, he's with another team in a different time zone, you know, in another division, and he still feels it every day. So, but, but for these guys right now, it doesn't do any good to, to harp on it. Yeah. You've seen Sean Payton since he came into this league. Have you seen an evolution from him uh, temperament-wise? or? I'll tell you what I've seen. Here's what I've seen that I think is really interesting. In my business, I think the last three, four, five years, everyone who either is sort of a, maybe a league insider or whatever you might call them, We've always had this thing in the back of our mind. Okay, is Peyton staying? 
You know, is he going to coach somewhere else one of these days? What's his deal? Is he long-term? Is he going to grow old and gray in New Orleans with Mickey Loomis? What, what exactly is his long-term plan? I think in the last couple of years, I have now started to think that he could be here a very long time, especially with all the new stuff that they've done in this building. This is, these are the acts of somebody who is an architect and a builder and a constructor of long-term things. That's not the, is constru- I don't even think constructor <laughs> is a word. I just invented that word. But he strikes me as the kind of guy who might want to be here for quite a while. Now, look, I don't know. I've not asked him, so are you going to be coaching here to your 70? I, you know, whatever. But I do think there's things about Sean that have changed in the last few years, and one of them is I think he takes a tremendous amount of pride uh, as the steward of the franchise, along with Mickey Loomis and uh, and Gail Benson. You know, along those lines, we know that Sean's been here for a while. Drew, obviously, uh, father time undefeated. We know that his career is drawing to a close at some point here in the near future. But is this team with its mix of youth and veterans, uh, your Alvin Kamara's and your Michael Thomas's uh, and your Demario Davis's and your Marshawn Lattimore's, is this team built to last beyond the Breeze years? I mean, the only way you find that out is to plug Taysom, Taysom Hill in the game for four weeks in a row and let's see. I, like so many other people, uh, am fascinated by Taysom Hill. But I'm also fascinated by Jimmy Garoppolo. Last year I said that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be a top five NFL quarterback by the end of the year. Now he gets hurt in week three or four, whatever it was. And so, you know, you just don't know. But I think, um, I think that whenever it happens, whether it be 2021, 22, whenever they have to go beyond that, my my feeling is that what I want, if I were a New Orleans Saints fan, if I was Gail Benson, if I'm if I'm Mickey Loomis, I want Sean to last into the next quarterback, you know, and for several years because you want Sean Payton's, uh, you know, knowledge. Uh, you want his imagination. You want that. A relationship that he he has had with Drew Brees, you want that with the next quarterback. You know, we you mentioned defense. We saw a stretch last year. I think a six game stretch where this defense allowed about twelve points a game. Can that do? Or is one of your questions? Can this defense do that consistently? Exactly. This can't be. This cannot be a Polaroid moment for the defense. You know what happened at times last year. This has to be an every week kind of deal. And you know, look, you're not going to hold you're not going to hold everybody to 13 points. I get that, but you basically need to have a defense that you can rely on when you need it late in the fourth quarter to shut a team down. 
Always great to hear from Mr. Peter King himself. A lot of insight on uh, training camps all over the NFL, but as well as the Saints training camp and what he is looking for uh, this year and out of this year's training camp. That'll do it for today's show. Uh, Saints will resume training camp practice here at the Austin Sports Performance Center on Saturday and uh, will be at Tulane's Yulman Stadium on Sunday. Now that practice is open to the public and you will not need any tickets. So if that's any, if there's any training camp practice for you to come out to it is that one at Tulane's Yulman Stadium from 7 to 9 p.m. now there is a fan fest before that starting at 5 p.m. it'll be on Brown Field right in front of Yulman Stadium so make sure you go out there there'll be live music food beer everything you could uh, ever imagine so make sure you join us out there for the Saints fan fest at Tulane's Brown Field right in front of Yulman Stadium again Saints will resume practice tomorrow morning that practice is open to the public but tickets are sold out for the remainder of the training camp practices so make sure you come out Sunday night at 7 p.m. 7 to 9 p.m. at Tulane's Gilman Stadium. For Caroline Gonzalez, John DeShazer, that'll do it for today's New Orleans Saints podcast. Thanks for joining us.